Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our earnestly contending sermon series, which walks through the book of Jude. We hope that this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Let's go to the book of Jude, and uh, Jude chapter 1. Still funny. (coughs) Jude, and uh, we've been, of course... um, in this series, earnestly contending for the faith, and uh, it's been a, a help. A few weeks ago, we started this series, and really what we just kind of uh, have been looking at, uh, of course, the book of Jude uh, was written by Jude, who would have been the half-brother of Jesus, and uh, it's interesting, and I made mention of it in the first couple of messages, just very interesting to me that the, uh, the half-brothers of Christ, James and Jude, didn't even become believers or followers until after the resurrection, and, and uh, some even think after the ascension. Um, but I, I believe it's after the resurrection just because it tells us in Acts 1, as well as uh, a couple passages in the Gospels, that they were there with him at the, uh, in the upper room and different things like that afterwards. And so... We need to know that Jude just, um, he, would, he would be considered, and I think part of this is just because of relationship, but Jude would have been considered one of the early church leaders, and uh, the reason is just because, I mean, if you're there and you're the half-brother of the person we're worshiping, we're probably going to give you a little bit of attention and listen to you, and so Jude, uh, Jude knew that, and uh, something I find interesting, when you read about James, all right, so James, the half-brother of Jesus, he had a position in the early church. Anybody remember what that position was? James, the half-brother of Jesus. All right, yes, ma'am. All right, so he was the pastor of the church of Jerusalem. So <clears throat> let's, let's connect this, and I want to give us just real quick some uh, the personal responsibility that Jude took. James, he's the half-brother of Jesus, and he is the, the pastor at the church at Jerusalem. When you go and you read in the early, early book, uh, in the early uh, chapters of Acts, excuse me, you find James being in leadership, and so that was there. But Jude, when you look, you can go do some research, and Jude in all the Gospels, as well as the book of Acts, he's not given a, a direct position, if you will. But since he has the relationship of being the half-brother of Christ, as I stated a second ago, people would look to him. They would want to get wisdom from him. And what I love is the fact that Jude, he didn't shy away from influencing people. He understood that God has enabled me to be able to do this. And even though I don't, even though I don't have a position, I'm still used. And I think that's a good reminder for every Christian um, ability to influence people for Christ. And I think that's a good reminder for every Christian because sometimes we think, well, I don't have influence. I'm not the pastor. I don't have influence. I'm not on the platform. I don't have influence. I don't teach a Sunday school class. I don't have influence. I'm not, uh, you know, whatever you would consider to be a position. But God says everybody is, everybody has purpose. And I'm going to actually preach on that on Sunday night, but just the fact that every single person you can be, you can use your God-given position, even though it might not be a quote-unquote position in your mind, you can use that and, and pour it into other people. And that's what Jude is doing. Of course, we read, and we talked about it the first week, that Jude, he wanted to open up the book, or open up the letter, if you will, and he wanted to write to them, and he wanted to say, uh, I wanted to write to you about our common salvation. I want to write to you about how good it is to be saved. 
But he changes direction. Holy Spirit leads him. And Jude says, but it's needful for me to write to you about the enemy. And so Jude writes about this idea, and you can go to uh, Jude verse number three, where he said, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, he says, I wanted to write to you about this. It was needful to me to write unto you and to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once, once delivered unto the saints. And he challenges these early readers or these early believers into earnestly contending for the faith. And we took time to understand that what he's getting at is the fact that there are going to be people, and specifically he talks about people who creep in, who come in unaware, you just don't really pay attention, but they're used to lure you and I away from God. And of course, he's writing specifically about people, but we've kind of taken that a step further to understand that it's not just people that try to direct our attention away from the Lord. Man, the devil would love to use things to try to get us away from the Lord. And so we need to understand that even though that it's mainly people that can cause someone to go apostate away from God, that things can cause that as well. And so Jude writes to them about this. And uh, that first, first and second week, we kind of saw uh, who he was writing to, what he was writing about, the challenge to earnestly contend or to stand firm with what you believe in and continue forward with it. And then last week, if you were here, uh, of course, uh, Fountain Senior, my dad spoke and uh, just gave us really a couple of statements in that lesson. One of them was, uh, helping us understand that the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. And if you look at those uh, apostate, apostate leaders, you go to uh, verse number 12. He says, these are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. And then notice what he says. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And the whole thought here is that the apostate leader is leading away from the Lord and it's shallow, it's empty. There's no substance to it. And then the last part of verse number 13, that there's judgment waiting for them. And that was kind of the thrust of last week's message, understanding that the direction of that just leads to judgment. And, and you look at the way of Cain or Balaam or Korah that was spoke about last week, and the challenge last week, because they are ungodly. And uh, the direction, of course, and the challenge last week was we've got to live with eternity in mind. My dad spoke about that. But tonight we're going to come to the end of just this little short series. And I want us to understand this thought. That as a believer, if you and I are going to have what I'm calling a fighting chance against people or things that are going to draw us away from the Lord, Jude highlights a few things that we should do. If you're gonna, if you're gonna have a fighting chance to stand against anything directing you away from the Lord, there's some things you should do. And so I want us to pick up tonight in Jude. In verse number 19, we read it last week, but let's stand together and, and uh, just read the word of God. Verse 19 down through verse number 25, and uh, then we'll get into the thoughts tonight. Verse 19, <clears throat> Jude writes, These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. That was highlighted last week, that phrase, having not the Spirit, that, man, these are people who are probably not even saved. If they are saved, they're not following the Spirit of the Lord. And uh, then he says this, but ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking 
for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now, unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. I love the passage that's before us tonight, and really, as I look at this, as Jude is writing about and kind of coming to a conclusion about these apostate people that will draw folks away from the Lord, he uses his last few sentences to encourage the believer to be different, and I believe to add the how to the what. The what is mentioned in verse 3, earnestly contend. Verse 20 through 25 is the how. Here's what you need to do to be one who's earnestly contending for the faith in your life. And so tonight, we're going to look at this and understand what it's going to take for us to have a fighting chance in earnestly contending for the faith. So let's pray, and then we'll get into our message tonight. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you just take a moment and just commit the time to the Lord and ask him to speak to you. And tonight... Tell the Lord, just make the commitment. God, if you speak to me, I'm listening to you and I'll, I'll respond to you tonight. Dear Lord, thank you again for the word and how it applies to us. And I pray tonight that as we get into it, that you would use it to strengthen our walk with you. And Lord, that you'd help us. Lord, I humble my heart to you and I recognize that I need your help And I pray that you'd speak through me. And I pray, Lord, that everything that's said and done tonight would bring honor and glory to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. How many of you, uh, you've seen the uh, the old movie, The Karate Kid? How many of you have ever seen that? And if you've ever seen the old movie, Karate Kid... uh, <clears throat> I don't remember all the names of everybody except for Mr. Mr. Miyagi, right? Was that his name? And uh, but you have this you have this young kid and he's trying to uh you know become a karate guy and and he takes all this uh karate classes and stuff and of course the story is that there's a tournament at the end of this and of course you and I it, it's a movie it's probably what was it, in the 80s it was made? Very predictable. But uh, the, the storyline is that there's this tournament that he's got to enter, and, and uh, he's going to go against you know, the big, bad, tough kid. And Mr. Miyagi, the instructor, he knows that if the karate kid, if he has any chance of winning and cutting the, the uh, bonsai tree and catching the fly with chopsticks and, and all of that, you know. But the whole, the whole thought behind it is Mr. Miyagi knows if he's going to do anything in this tournament, if he's going to have a fighting chance, he has to know these things. Well, as you and I come to the book of Jude and the last part of it, that's kind of the thought I find Jude having. Hey, there's, there's a battle coming for them. Jude thinking this. There's a battle coming for the believers. Uh, they, they need to know the enemy's real. They need to know that the enemy is out there. They need to know that the enemy is going to come after them and, and, and the devil will use anything to draw them away from God. And I'm gonna challenge them to earnestly contend for the faith, but here's what they need to know. If they're gonna have a fighting chance, they've gotta, they've gotta make some decisions. And I think it's true in your life and mine that if you and I are truly going to stand in the day and age in which we live, 
If we're gonna stand against apostate thinking, whether that be from a person or a religion or from things that the devil tries to use to control us and direct our attention away from God, if we're gonna stand against that in our spiritual life, we have to make a few decisions. And so I want us to notice, first of all tonight, that if we're going to earnestly contend that we must, letter A, we must continually increase. If we're gonna earnestly contend, we must continually increase. The thought here is that if we're going to earnestly contend, we've got to continue to grow in our relationship with the Lord. Notice what he says in verse 20 when he says this, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. You know what, the Christian life must never uh, um, stand still. And the truth is that if the Christian life stands still, it's actually not gonna stand still, it's gonna go backwards. I heard the Christian life one time likened unto an airplane. If an airplane is not moving forward, what's it doing? Crashing. And that's like the Christian life. If I'm not moving forward in my, in my walk with the Lord, pretty soon I'm gonna find wrecking, I'm gonna find myself crashing, wrecking my own life. And so the thought that that, uh, Jude is trying to get across is that the Christian life must never stand still because if it does, it's going to go backward. You think about this, but a house that's left to itself will become dilapidated. You think about some of the houses that you see that you may look at, you know, when you're driving down the road here in Moses Lake or, or maybe you've been on a road trip and you look at an old house and I, most of the time you don't look at a house and think, oh, you know, most of the time you look at a house maybe like that and you think someone, someone left that house alone for quite a while. You ever seen one of those big, beautiful houses and it's just completely dilapidated? Man, it breaks your heart. I'm thinking right now the message that Dan preached uh, probably about a year ago and talked about that, uh, what's that house called in uh, um, New Mexico or something. I forget the name of it. You do too, huh? Uh, but that house there, it was, you know, millions of dollars to, to build. It just came millions of dollars to build this house back in, what, 1914 or some crazy year like that. And then you look at it now and it's just, it's just a torn up ghost house. All this money, all this investment. And even though the house didn't have the, you know, I think the daughter built it or something, or the dad built it for the daughter. Didn't have the greatest construction. And yet, man, it, it's just something that because of, the owners years later just given up on it and it just fails, it goes away, it dilapidates. The same is true in our Christian life. That if you and I are not constantly, and listen to this, if we're not continually investing and increasing, growing in our walk with God and crashing is right around the corner. These apostates, they're in the business of tearing people down, but each Christian must be in the business of building up. We must continually build up our Christian life. Well, how do we do that? Well, he says, build us be continually building in your faith. So Jude writes this, you gotta be continually building in your faith. The first part, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. The phrase, but ye beloved, it's almost like a, a, a contradiction. And so before, he's the, it, it would be the antithesis, that before he's saying, hey, here's what the apostates do. They lead, they're not spirit-filled, they're weak, they're empty, they're uh, uh, devilish, they're ungodly. But you, beloved, as the child of God, build yourself up, in your faith. 
Build yourself up on your most holy faith. The challenge here is the challenge to build upon our faith, to keep growing and learning and increasing in the knowledge of our faith. The idea then is that it's not that I just know I'm saved. It's I know I'm saved and I know what I believe and I'm gonna continue to learn what I believe. I'm building upon the faith, upon the doctrine that started this whole thing, the doctrine of salvation. Of course, growth in your life and my life, it doesn't happen apart from the word of God. Growing in your faith cannot take place apart from the word of God. I love how one man said it. He said this, I have yet to meet a strong and faithful Christian who ignores his Bible. I found that quote and I liked it. Man, I have yet to meet a strong and faithful Christian who ignores his Bible. And isn't that the truth? And there's a lot of people, a lot of uh, followers of Jesus who like to claim to be uh, strong and faithful, but when you watch their life, the words don't match up with, uh, with their actions, and you come to find out they're never in the Word of God. And sometimes we do that in our own lives. We lie to ourselves, and we're and we like, I'm doing, I'm, I mean, I'm doing all right in my Christian walk, and I'm doing okay in my, in my uh, following of the Lord, but when we get down to it, man, we're, we're so far away from the Word of God. We're not growing in that faith. And here's what Jude is saying. If you're gonna have a fighting chance, hey, if you're gonna earnestly contend, you gotta be a student of the word. You gotta build upon the faith, build upon that, that decision that you'd made to receive Christ. And <clears throat> excuse me, we must daily spend time in the word of God, seeking the mind of God, having a, a regular disciplined study of the word of God. And uh, I think this also flows over into allowing his word to be put into our hearts on a regular basis through other avenues. Uh, this is one of the reasons I think faithfulness to church is, is so key in the development of a walk with God is because we're allowing the input of maybe a life stage class or of a, of a message or even of testimonies or of the singing, we're allowing the truths of the word of God to be input into our life. And what that's gonna do is just build us and grow us and build upon that faith. An old Chinese proverb says, you know, the motto for every Christian should be no Bible, no breakfast. No Bible, no breakfast. Man, when I get up in the morning, spend time in the Word, and uh, for some of you, maybe it's no Bible, no coffee, you know, or something like that, uh, unless you drink your coffee while you're reading your Bible. Maybe just, I don't know, you figure out your own, figure out your own Dustin proverb, okay? You don't like coffee, do you? You do? Okay, good. Uh, so the thought there, I thought it was you. The thought there, no Bible, you know, no Bible, no breakfast. Man, I should put importance upon being in the Word of God. Why? Because it's gonna build me. And if I'm, gonna, if I'm gonna earnestly contend, I've got to continually increase in our faith. And then he says to continually increase in our prayer. Continue to increase in our prayer. You look at this, the power for building the Christian life comes from prayer. And here's what he says, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You know what? The word of God and prayer, they go together for spiritual growth, don't they? If all we do is read and study the Bible, then we're gonna have a great deal of knowledge, but not the backing and the power of God. However, if we concentrate on prayer and ignore the Bible, we're gonna have a great deal of zeal without knowledge. We read the word of God to grow in our faith, but then we, in faith, go to God in prayer, asking him to lead us, asking him to direct us. And I appreciate uh, something my dad mentioned last week in the message um, was ab- about taking directions and saying there's times when he'll get in his car, and I'm not talking about the time he got lost and then up Brother Jones' house, but uh, there's times when he'll get in the car and just pray, God, which way do you want me to go? 
And something like that may be, may be just simple and like, well, why would we pray that? You know, God, which route do you want me to take? But here's the thought that Jude is trying to get. If you're going to stand, you've got to not only grow in your wisdom, but you've got to have a connection to God. You've got to know that it's through him and his power that you're going to stand. And we'll see that again in just a second. But we've got to pray and ask the Lord for his direction, for his will, and for his wisdom. Because prayer, what prayer does for the believer regarding earnestly contending is prayer helps us to be on guard against things that will uh, distract us or direct us away from our walk with the Lord. Prayer enhances, listen, prayer enhances our, uh, um, uh, the idea of being on guard. It enhances that mindset of, I'm gonna be on guard today because when you connect with the Lord in the morning, man, it just sets your thoughts towards him for the day. And that's what you read in Colossians, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. And the whole idea is being able to focus upon eternity and focus on eternal things. So Jude's writing, he's saying, you've got to continually increase in your faith, in your prayer. But then he says this, you've got to continually increase in your love. Continually increase in our love. Growing in our faith and growing in our prayer, as good as they are, they can often become somewhat routine. A prayer life and a Bible time can become routine. And so Jude adds another factor. What is that? Abide in God's love. Keep yourselves, look at verse number 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. I heard someone word it this way one time, keep yourself in love with God. Keep yourself in love with God. If you would, notice that he doesn't say keep yourselves saved. We know that's not what he's teaching, why? Because he already wrote in verse number one that you are preserved in Christ Jesus. So he's not saying, hey, keep yourself saved. Hey, make sure you don't depart out of God's love. He's saying this, listen, you continue to fall in love with God. Continue to make love your motive. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourself in love with God. You can think about this, that Jesus made a similar uh, statement in John 15, nine, when he said, continue ye in my love. I want to say I believe there's a lot to this, but suffice to say that we've got to keep the motive of love at the root of all we do. Love is the best motivator for the, for the Christian life. And I know if you've been saved for any length of time, you, like me, have probably had other motives at times. And maybe the motive was to please somebody or the motive was to uh, gain the attention of somebody or the motive was uh, to gain the applause of somebody. The motive was guilt or the motive was fear. All of those things are not lasting motives. The motive that brings contentment in your Christian life is the motive of love. And I think Jude understood that. And he's saying, you've got to continually increase in your love for the Lord. Keep yourself in love with God. Keep that love as a motive. Because then when you're getting in the word of God or getting in prayer and having that uh, time of contending for the faith, that time of standing for truth, and if my motive is love, I'll stand no matter what, won't I? And you think about your family. I think about my wife and about my kids. I mean, I love my family. And someone can come in the house, break in. You know what they're gonna have to do? They have to go through me to get through my family. Now, it might not be that big of a fight, but they're gonna go through me at some point. They're gonna, they're gonna have to fate, you know, they're gonna have to see me and they're gonna have to cross that. Why? Because I love my family and I won't back down for anything. It's my family. I love them. 
they can walk in and, and God forbid someone ever come in with a gun or something like that. Uh, you know what? We're gonna, I'm gonna stand for my family. Love is my motivator there. You know what? Our love for the Lord should be the motivator in every part of our Christian walk. And I think it's a good reminder for us sometimes in the morning, and I talk about this often, but in the morning when you wake up, tomorrow morning, Friday morning, you wake up, you know why you should spend time in the word of God? It's because you love the Lord. It's not because it's expected, not because someone might ask you, not because someone's watching, it's just because you love him. And I just wanna spend time with him. Why? I love him. I wanna pray, I wanna pray and talk to him. Why? Because I love him. Let, mo- let love be that motive. Keep yourself in love with God. Then notice lastly, if we're gonna earnestly contend, we must not only continually increase in, in uh, the word of God and prayer and love, but then also in our focus, in our focus. <clears throat> Look at the last part of verse number 21. He said this, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. We build our Christian life on the foundation of faith and then we continue through the motivation of love, but... As a believer, we also need the thought of hope. And you look at the word, the, the word looking right there, that word looking, it, it means earnestly expecting. So the believer should have an earnest expectation for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. You know what he's talking about? He's saying you need to look and remember that he's coming back. Look for that day that Jesus is coming. Let that be something that's in the back of your mind. Continually increase in your focus. Know that Jesus is coming. I think of how Paul worded it to Titus when he said, Look, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. This describes an attitude of life that's motivated by the promise of our Lord's return. Man, I'm gonna earnestly contend. Why? Because I'm continually looking and knowing that he could come back. It was mentioned last week and I didn't hear too many amens in the, in the recording of it, but it was asked, uh, uh, could the Lord come back at any time? I said, amen, could he come back tonight? And there was like, uh, maybe, I don't know. You know what, he could come back at any moment. And if you and I know that, think about it. If I know I'm gonna meet God maybe today, it's gonna affect how I serve him today. Not out of fear, not out of, out of discouragement or out of uh, I have to or guilt, but no, I wanna see him and be able to stand before him and say, God, I gave it all. Even, the, even up to the very last minute, very last breath, I gave my life for you. Earnestly contend, you're gonna do that when you're looking. Those apostates, they are looking for judgment. But you and I, we're looking to his mercy because we've received him as savior. We're gonna stand before him and bow before him and worship in his presence forever. Didn't heaven look sound good? And you think about that, I think about those verses that Hannah and I memorized right at the end of the year in Revelation that, uh, man, every tear is gonna be wiped away. No more crying, no death, no pain, none of it. And all because of the mercy of Jesus Christ on the cross for us. And what a blessing. And I hope that that would maybe give us that encouragement to earnestly contend. And so if we're gonna earnestly contend, number one, letter, or excuse me, number one, we've gotta continually increase. Number two, we've gotta be constantly investing. Constantly investing. Notice verse 22 and 23. <clears throat> we read this, and of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. The idea here is that we've got to be mindful of people around us. This is Jude encouraging his readers to care about others who are being taken away 
who are being distracted, who are being uh, um, driven by the apostates or drawn by the apostates. And he's trying to encourage a believer, take time to invest in other people. How do we do this? Well, letter A right there, we do it by having compassion. Having compassion. The thought here is to focus on loving those around us and having mercy on them. When you look at this, the first phrase, he says, and of some have compassion making a difference. When you see somebody else making a decision that pulls them away from God, don't jump to a conclusion and cast judgment. Instead, have compassion for them. Uh, Have a compassion for them that says, I love you and I wanna remind you of who God is. And a lot of people like to look at this, this verse, and it's a great verse ap- application. I, th- I think the, uh, the thought is there and backed up even in the context of Scripture of just witnessing, of some have compassion making a difference, and the idea of witnessing to the lost, and I, I think that's there. But I believe Jude, in the context of the entire, ch- the, the entire letter, he's saying there's going to be some that you're going to come across their path, and you're going to see them going a the wrong way, determined to love them back to Jesus, Determined to love them and make a difference because of his compassion that's made a difference in you and the compassion, his compassion flowing through you to make a difference in somebody else. Sometimes the best way to help another believer who is maybe being pulled away from the Lord is not to be the, con- the condemner in their life, but to be compassionate toward them. <clears throat> I think sometimes we can have that condemnation, uh, condemning spirit. You know, you think about this, when someone maybe hasn't been at church for a while, they haven't been at church for a while and, and they, they walk back through the doors. There's some, they have this approach. Where you been? Hey, what's going on? Hey, where? Now, sometimes, sometimes that needs to be the, the response. And we're gonna talk about that in just a second. But the first response should be, man, I've missed you. Oh, it's, so, it's so good to see you. Man, I love you. I've been praying for you. The response is different. The response is not condemnation, it's compassion. It's saying, I care about where you are and I want to have that friendship and that fellowship. I wanna help you grow closer to the Lord. If we ever see somebody kind of drifting from the Lord and being, uh, uh, maybe have something that's putting a wedge between them and their walk with God, man, our first response should be have that compassion. Too many Christians spend time condemning and pushing people away from the Lord when God's plan is for us to, to uh, God plans for us is to compassionately draw them back to the Lord. So we should have compassion, be constantly investing by having compassion. But then also he says, having caution, having caution. He says this, and when, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by flesh. This is not the opposite of compassion. This is actually speaking into one's life and showing them the end of their decision. Hey, if you keep going down this road, this is going to be the consequence. You're casting some, some fear. You're, you're giving some caution there. But there's also a caution for the reader as well. And here's the thought. When he says hating even the, uh, look at verse number 23, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh, here's the thought that Jude is saying, don't get so close to a situation that you become affected. Don't become one that uh, comes to a person and says, hey, let me help you out of this. And, and you have compassion to a fault because we can do that at times, can't we? We can get too close to a situation, someone drifting from the Lord that they end up pulling us away from the Lord. 
My dad used to use an illustration and, and many other uh, pastors and youth pastors have where you have someone get up on a chair and someone down on the ground and, and you have both of them pulling. One's trying to pull one up and the other one's trying to pull someone down. And no matter who you have, usually the person on the ground is gonna be the one who's, who's, uh, um, more wins more often, pulling a person down. And the thought here, I think part of the thought is this, that you need to have some fear in your own life and understand that you could go the same direction. So hate even the garment that's spotted by the flesh. You know what he's saying? Hate the smallest sin. Hate something, hate something so small that could cause you to drift from the Lord. Man, hate that. You, we must certainly love God's people, but we should hate the sin. And wherever there's sin, Satan may have a foothold and may go to work in the life of someone else. And so the idea is here, hey, have some caution. Encourage them with that caution. You're going the wrong direction. The word fear, um, it, when it says, uh, um, I know others save with fear, the word fear, we would use the word caution at times. Of some have, have, save them with caution. Give them that cautious warning. But you need to make sure that you're not getting too close to the situation, you're gonna get pulled in. So if I'm gonna earnestly contend, what do I do? Well, I've gotta con- continually uh, increase. I've got to constantly invest. But then notice lastly, I've got to commit individually. I'm going to commit individually. You look at the last two verses there. Simply put, in these verses of Jude 24 and 25, he says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Simply put, he's saying we've got to be focused upon God and his glory. This well-known closing statement contains a wealth of spiritual truth for every believer. And the thought is, If we want to keep our feet on the ground spiritually, we need to walk straight, not stumble, and yield ourselves fully to the Lord. Notice what he says. Unto him that is able to keep you from, what's the word? Falling. So we're talking about this apostate uh, thinking, the apostate thinking that drives a wedge in our relationship with the Lord. Some would title that as falling. This isn't falling out of being saved. This is just simply falling away from the Lord, falling away from that healthy relationship. And here's what Jude says. Unto him that is able to keep you from falling, unto him belongs the glory. But the thought is, and a simple little application, is he's the one who's gonna help you stand. He's the one who's gonna help you contend. And in the end of it, it's all for his glory anyway. So continually commit individually that you're gonna keep that focus on him. And <clears throat> excuse me, we, we must have an individual commitment to keep our sight set upon the one who works in and through us. I found this quote, and it's not on your handout, but I liked it. It said this, he alone is able to guard us. We have to remember, he is able if we are willing. He's able to help us. He's the one who can keep us from falling. The glory belongs to him, but you've gotta be willing to Tap into that resource. Got to be willing to have that walk with him. Jude was not writing about the possibility of the believer sinning and falling from God's family. He was writing about the believer's daily walk with the Lord and the danger of going astray and stumbling. He's saying that the power of you earnestly contending, it belongs to the Lord. He alone is able to help you with this. And remember, 
that the purpose of all of it is to bring him glory. When you look at all of this, I think Jude, he's reminding his readers of the greatness of Jesus and the greatness of God. As I was studying this, I thought thought this statement. If a believer could simply catch how great God is continually, if we'll continually catch how great God is, we'll earnestly contend for the faith. If we continually are reminded of how awesome Jesus Christ and his salvation is in our life, we'll love him. We'll wanna stand for him. We'll wanna grow closer to him. We'll wanna spend time in prayer with him. We'll wanna help others know him. We'll wanna give him the glory. And all of that helps us contend. And my mind actually went to John chapter six. In John chapter six, and you can turn there if you want or just look, John 6, 66 through 68. The Bible says in verse number 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Jesus had just preached that he was the bread of life. You've got to eat of his flesh and drink of his blood. And of course, he's giving them a picture message about understanding it's all in. You've got to receive him completely. And after he gets done preaching, verse 66 tells us that many walked away. But what I love in that passage is verse 67 and 68. Because Jesus asks a question in verse number 67. Then said Jesus unto the 12. He turns to them. Preach this message. All these people left. He turns to them. Will you also go away? Hey, what are you going to do? And I love Peter's decision. It says, then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. I love the thought. It's really just simply saying, there's no other option. You're the key. There's no other choice. You're the one who has the words of eternal life. You're the Messiah. You're the answer. I think Jude understood that. And he understood that if you and I can just get a fresh glimpse of who God is, we'll earnestly contend for the faith. But tonight he gives us this lesson he's writing to these readers you don't have to stumble you don't have to go apostate you don't have to fall and one man put it this way if you'll remember the word build your if you'll remember the word build your christian life in faith hope and love have a concern for those around you and commit yourself to christ then he will keep you from stumbling he'll keep you from falling And the fact is, the enemy is subtle, the dangers are great, but with God's strength, you and I, we can earnestly contend against anything that would distract us from our walk with God. And so I hope that we would let maybe a series like this challenge us, because the truth is, if we're going to have a fighting chance, if there's any hope for you living out your Christian life and getting to your deathbed and looking back and saying, I I believe I was faithful, if there's any hope of that, Number one, you've got to continually increase, keep growing. Number two, you've got to constantly invest, keep guarding. And number three, you've got to commit individually. That's keep glorifying and keep that focus. And I believe when we do this, we will see God enable us to stand when others fall away and we'll continue to be used of the Lord to affect the lives of people around us and to glorify his name.
I hope it'd be a help to us, and I hope we'd look at the book of Jude and just remember two words, earnestly content. His faith is worth standing for. He's a good Savior. He's worth loving, and I'm going to let that love motivate me to walk with him every day. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.